Welcome to the Analytics for You podcast. If you want to listen to the Spanish version of the podcast, you can Skype to minute 17 and 12 seconds. Saludos. Para escuchar la versión en español, favor brincar al minuto 17 con 12 segundos. Welcome, guys, to a new episode of the Analytics for You podcast. This is a space to talk about technology, digital solutions, and analytics in the haircut field. My name is Mariel Montero. I am here with Ruben and Michael. How are you doing, guys? Hi, Mariel. I'm doing really well. Thank you. How about you, Michael? Greetings. It's nice to be here again. Yay. <laughs> Indeed. I have a question for you. Who is your favorite baseball player of all time? Let me go first here, because I know Ruben is going to talk a lot about this subject, but <laughs> <laughs> I know you really like baseball. Always baseball, baseball. Baseball is your thing. I, I got it. But for me, it would be Barry Bonds. I, I know there was a lot of um, controversy around, you know, what he was and, and you know, his, his persona, I guess, uh, when it comes to sports and whatnot, but But either way, I mean, he was just on his own chart when it comes to baseball. Um, in my childhood, I mean, uh, I, I think about Barry Bonds. Uh, for me, he has to be one of the best strikers in, 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 in history of the, of the sport. What about you, Ruben? Without a doubt, Barry Bonds was a great player. Uh, I, I remember him being exceptional even before he started uh, with the steroids. Uh, and, uh, and then he became even more exceptional. So... The guy just had, had pure baseball skills. Uh, this is an interesting question for me because I don't think I have a favorite baseball player. I, in that case, you know, even though I love the sport, uh, I'm pretty much kind of in the moment. So I've just got, you know, a listing of players that have been impactful to me through the years. Uh, from, I mentioned in the, in the last pod, podcast, you know, Willie Stargells. I don't, I don't think I remember uh, Roberto Clemente very well, but but I do kind of remember Willie Stargell uh, for the Pirates, uh, Nolan Ryan, Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco, uh, not, uh, then later on, Omar Vizquel, Roberto Alomar, uh, Sandy Alomar, the catcher for the Indians. Uh, recently, for uh, there was a great pitcher that the, the Guardians had, or the Indians uh, back then was uh, Corey Kluber. So what I, I really just enjoy watching the players start young, And become better and better. I mean, and, and there's some there's some really good players right now that uh, are starting off uh, very young, and and they're, they're starting to show some some real uh, progress. I, I'm not a Yankees fan. We discussed that last time, but who can ignore what Aaron Judge is doing? I mean, the, the guy is just incredible. He's so good. And so those, those are the things that I like about baseball. I, like, I just like you know seeing all the good guys, uh, all the all the good players play. Uh, so to actually pick one, very hard for me. But great question, Maria. How about you? Since you're a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite baseball player is Alex Rodriguez. But I must clarify, and with no intention of minimizing his great career, 
I started following him when he started dating Jennifer Lopez. I knew From you were that, that moment, <laughs> I become a fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and then and then and then Ben Affleck came in and swooped her. So. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Uh, Alex is Alex is a good player, but uh, he was also caught in some of those steroids things. And and I remember how much fun people made of him until eventually he finally won the championship with the uh, with the Yankees. But uh, everybody said that he was the second best shortstop in the Yankees with uh, Derek Jeter being the first one, so or the best one. But Alex had a magnificent career, no doubt yes. about that. Yes, but let's get into it. Wait, before we get into it, before we get into it, I have a question for Ruben. Do you remember El Duque Hernandez from the Yankees in, in, the, in the 90s, mid-90s? He was superb. Oh, yes. I remember him very well because, because the Indians had incredible uh, baseball teams back then. They had Jim Tomey and Manny Ramirez and all these great guys. And he always would rise to the occasion and, and he would pitch incredibly well. Uh, against that team that was a, an offensive juggernaut. So, oh yeah, I remember him very, very well. In fact, I I actually expected him to have you know much longer career with a lot more success, and and somehow he just kind of faded, uh, you think, know, pretty quickly. He, but but he I had a few he, years there that were very good. I think he joined the league later in his life. I think he was a, a lot older when when he got to the Yankees themselves. That's you know? that's exactly what I was going to tell yeah. you. That those yeah. were those were the years. And it still happens much less frequently now than, than before. But a lot of these players are able to hide their ages. And so, mm. you know, they were recruited in, in <laughs> Venezuela, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, things like that. And they would say that they were six or seven years younger than they were. Uh, and so, you know, they'd show up and they would say they, would say they were 26 years old. And, and they were, you know, they were 34, <laughs> 35. Yeah. So all of a sudden, they would only be able to pitch well for like a couple of years and then they, they would fade. The Indians had Francisco Carmona was the name of the guy. And he was so good for like a year and a half. Um, and everybody says, you know, he's got this great career. He's like 23 years old. This is, I think, in the mid 2000s, if I remember correctly. And... Uh, And he pitched magnificently for two years. And then he just blew up. I mean, he just didn't, didn't play well. And all of a sudden it came out that he literally had faked his age by like 10 years. I mean, he was like 33 and not 23 or something like that. So yeah, that, that happened a lot during those times. But, but El Duque was El Duque. He was good. El, El, he was that. great. I remember. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, those were the years as well that uh, the, the Yankees and the Red Sox had some really okay. good rivalries. Those years mm -hmm. with the Pedro Martinez. <laughs> Baseball. Yeah. Let's get into it, um, Ruben. Last episode, you gave us an introduction about artificial intelligence. Can you elaborate a bit more on the matter? Yeah, we're. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked the question. I'm, I'm not sure that I can go too much further into the subject because we covered a lot, but we were just talking about that today uh, at the office. And, you know, I keep, I keep going back to my, to my little drawing about artificial intelligence, which is, or my, my saying about artificial intelligence, which is really a matter of thinking of pattern recognition. Okay. And the more you, the more you accept the fact that 
the human brain is not good at recognizing patterns, uh, or at least not as good as computers are, uh, the more you can come to terms with the, with the concept of artificial intelligence. Uh, artificial intelligence is not meant to replace us. Uh, and, then it, and it's really, it's, that's not, the, that's not the, the idea behind it. Eventually it may in certain things, um, but, but um, it, that's, not the, that's not the main objective of it. it. It's really meant to simplify this concept of pattern recognition in any and every respect. If we stick to the subject of uh, baseball, Though I mentioned it last time, but I'll you know I'll try to make it I'll try to do it a little bit better for people to visualize it. Think of think of you being able to fly over the baseball field. Okay, and so if you're up there and you're looking down and you're seeing these guys playing, all you're gonna see is a ball move, you know, from from the pitching mound to the catcher and then fly somewhere else, you know, fly or ground ball or whatever. But you're basically gonna see you you will be able to see a line, you know, and and when you see that happen a million times, okay, imagine that while you're flying up, your time is moving and you're actually seeing a million games play out, okay? You're going to be able to see kind of in a movie, right, the lines of where that ball keeps going, where that ball goes, 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 depending on which one of the batters it is. If it's a left-handed batter, they tend to hit it to right field, okay, because they tend to pull the ball. Okay? If it's a right-handed batter, then they tend to hit it to left field. And you're going to see that pattern become very, very obvious, to you if you see a million games happen in front of your eyes from high above that's all computer or that's all artificial intelligence is about okay it's a fact that you could elevate yourself above the patterns that you're looking at and seeing them and see them repeat so many times that they're no longer a random pattern they become a very obvious pattern uh, to you I, I i have a question for you Ruben. so we are developing a tool that allows you to see your operation in real time, right? So mm-hmm. how does the component of artificial intelligence interact with our tool? I mean, a lot of our clients want to know, um, listen, I, I want, you know, they say, listen, I, I want this tool for me, but I don't have the time to sit down and, and read through the data throughout the day. How, how does artificial mm-hmm. intelligence help them? Yeah, it's, it's a simple it can be as simple or as complicated as we want to uh, develop it, but let's stick to the concept of pattern recognition. There are, there are certain, certain words that indicate certain things, okay? And, and really, that's, if you take it to the basic concept, that is a pattern, right? When you see the word STAT, S-T-A-T, in, in the healthcare field, it's usually capitalized. And if you go to the dictionary and you look for the definition of STAT, you actually don't find the definition. There is no definition. It's a word that has its own meaning, okay? And it's a word that is, is meant to, to convey a message of urgency, okay? So that is an obvious pattern. It's S-T-A-T. If you teach a artificial intelligence engine to look at that pattern of S-T-A-T, all caps, all together, it's going to say, uh-oh, there's an urgency. It's not going to tell you that it's, an, that it's a dire situation, but it's certainly going to tell you, be aware of something that's going on because it's been declared a stat case. Okay? Very simple uh, approach from the standpoint of health. A more complicated approach is, okay, I do 20 patients every day, 20 MRI patients every day. And I've been doing 20 MRI patients every day for the last 1,365 days. All of a sudden, I do 19 patients. Uh-oh, artificial intelligence, tell me that Tell me that that anomaly occurred, okay? So I made it pretty obvious by telling you 
there's 20 cases every single day and 19, you know, triggers an anomaly recognition through the artificial intelligence. But assume, you know, that, and that, that any human would be able to recognize, but the computer is going to be a lot more, a lot smarter than that. Assume that on average, you do 3,122 cases every day. Okay. On average means that some days you do 3,000 and some days you do 3,244. Okay. So on average, that number fluctuates, it goes up and down, but the average is 3,122. There is no way that a human is going to be able to track that number, okay, and figure out when you come out of those uh, particular expectations. So the system's going to run some statistical analysis. It's going to uh, create some standard, what's called standard deviations from the, from the mean, from the average. And with, you know, depending on how you move from those, uh, deviate from those uh, uh, expectations, it's going to react. And it's going to tell you, hey, hey, alert, you're going, you know, you're way below what, you're no- what you normally are. Or, hey, congratulations, you're way above what you normally are. Again, that's still, it's more complicated than what I mentioned with stat. But it's also still nowhere near the ability of a computer to be able to do a lot more other things. You can take it even further. You can take it to population health examples, okay? Ah, we have we have pandemic like we did before. How do we how do we how do we calculate who's more suscept- susceptible inside of the of that pandemic based on that particular uh, uh, virus or, or or condition? Well, uh, there's no way a human mind can do that. It just it's completely impossible. But through all that data that you're gonna get based on age, uh, condi- previous conditions. Uh, 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 race, uh, gender. Uh, oh, I said race already. So, uh, gender, uh, the, the uh, demographics in the uh, of, of where you live. Okay, Con- so country versus country. You throw that all to a computer, and the computer is absolutely one hundred percent going to find patterns. Okay, there is no doubt in my mind, and in fact, I mean it's proven. Okay, it'll find patterns that we as humans cannot see, and it's going to find them pretty quickly. It's going to know that age group 20, 45, 45 to 49, male with uh, smoker with previous, uh, I don't know, prostate issues is, is two times more susceptible to whatever condition that may be, you know, than, than a 25-year-old uh, that hasn't smoked and that uh, has always, you know, been healthy. Okay? Oh. And, and what, what do you do with that data? Well, that's up to us humans to decide. But the computer doesn't doesn't find gray spots. The computer computer tells you the facts of what it sees. Now, now the million dollar question is: mm-hmm. Does the client have to create all these patterns so the computer will follow up, or is this something that is done seamless? Meaning, no. meaning, meaning mm-hmm. that the client doesn't have to touch the computer to get all this information. Right. No. 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 I mean, in fact, in fact, the client should not touch the data. In fact, we want that data to be as pure as possible. So you should just enter it, okay, and let the computer do its work. Because if you manipulate it in any particular way, then you know, then you're telling the computer that the data is not pure. So if if you you know, hey, we all want to fib about our age. I want to I want to tell the computer that I'm five years younger than I am. Then that's the computer's gonna the computer's very literal about it. It's gonna say, okay, you told me you were 39, okay, <clears throat> and not 44, like you really are. So then then I'm gonna lower my expectations of you, you know, having having that particular uh, disease or or possible, you know, outcome. So because you're 39 and not 44, 
and, and you could you could actually play with stuff like that. Like you could actually do that. You could you could go into these simulators and say, okay, what happens if I told you that I'm 39? And it's going to tell you, okay, you're you're not you know you're only 68 percent likely to have uh, this condition. Whereas if you're 44, you may be you know 72 percent likely. And trust me, the insurance companies know this and they're doing it. They're using it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I agree with you there. Yep. Yeah. Of course. So that's so, that's how the that's how the that's how the insurance companies calculate all you know what what your uh, what your primes are going to be. It was very interesting to hear about artificial intelligence. Um, how is this around us every day? advancing and positioning itself in the market and in our life. Thank you, guys. This is a wrap for today. Thank (laughs) you all for listening. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. See you all later. Gracias a todos por escuchar nuestra versión en inglés. Ahora vamos a escuchar la versión en español de Analytics for You Podcast. Bienvenidos a un nuevo episodio de Analytics for You Podcast. Este es un espacio para hablar de tecnología, digital solutions y análisis en el sector salud. Mi nombre es Mariel Montero y estoy aquí con Rubén y Michael. ¿Cómo están el día de hoy, chicos? Muy bien, ¿y tú, Mariel? ¿Y tú, Michael? Bueno, yo estoy bien. Gracias por preguntar, Rubén. Y saludos a todos. ¿Mariel? Yo estoy muy bien. Feliz de tenerlos aquí. Tengo una pregunta muy interesante para ustedes. ¿Cuál es su jugador de béisbol de las ligas mayores favorito? Bueno, yo voy a comenzar porque sé que Rubén tiene mucho que decir acerca de este tema en específico. Eh, Les puedo decir que mi jugador favorito tiene que ser Barry Bonds. Desde, que, desde muy pequeño, ¿verdad? Yo, yo lo he seguido y, y, y siempre que ha jugado me ha parecido un jugador fuera de, 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 de cualquier métrica en el deporte y, y, y yo sé que hay mucha controversia acerca de, de su persona y, y cómo él ha sido en el deporte, cómo creció en el deporte, pero de igual forma pienso que Barry Bonds era excepcional en lo que él hacía. Sin duda alguna, Barry Bonds, tremendo jugador desde joven, después se metió con las asteroides y, y, y entonces fue de, de bueno a espectacular. Y, pero tenía un talento uh, excepcional cuando empezó con, con los piratas. Eh, de mi lado, no tengo ningún jugador favorito, eh, y, y de verdad que lo, lo dije en inglés y, y lo pienso ahora también en español, que no, no se me ocurre ningún jugador favorito. Simplemente me encanta ver todos los diferentes jugadores a través de los años. Por supuesto, como tengo un equipo favorito, pues tiendo a concentrarme en los grandiosos que a mí me gustaban, como Marvin Kelly, y Sandy Almar, y y Roberto Alomar y eh, Manny Ramírez y Jim Tommy todos los, las grandes, los grandes jugadores que han pasado por, por los indios que ahora son los, los Guardians pero eh, conozco muchos de los otros jugadores y me encanta eh, verlo y hay una buena generación ahora nueva de jugadores que de verdad que son, son muy impresionantes eh, y muy bueno la, la, el béisbol en estos últimos años es un deporte 
sumamente competitivo. Todos los equipos tienen jugadores eh, muy buenos y de verdad que eh, es un placer para mí, que soy un gran fanático del juego, ver, ver lo que está pasando en, la, en las grandes ligas. ¿Y tú, Mariel? Bueno, mi jugador favorito es Alex Rodríguez. Pero debo aclarar y sin quitarle mérito a su gran trayectoria que lo empecé a seguir luego que él empezó a salir con Jennifer López. Por supuesto. <ríe> Me claro. volví fan. Claro. <ríe> Pero Alex Rodríguez es grandioso. No, sí, fue excelente. Alex Rodríguez fue un excelente jugador, pero como dicen, como decían, eh, nunca, siempre fue el segundo mejor shortstop de, lo, de los Yankees. El mejor es Derek Jeter. Por detrás de Derek Jeter. Exacto. Yo tengo una pregunta antes de comenzar. ¿Tú recuerdas, Rubén, al Duque Hernández en los 90? Era fantástico. Yo en inglés dije superb, pero del fantástico. Duque de era, años. sí, era increíble. Y, y me dolía cuando los Yankees tenían que jugar contra los indios en esos tiempos que él, que él lanzaba porque realmente se lucía contra los indios y en ese tiempo los indios eran un equipo ofensivo su picheo no era grandioso pero, pero su equipo ofensivo era espectacular de verdad que en esos tiempos rompieron unos cuantos récords de honrones y carreras anotadas de lo bueno que eran y él se lucía siempre contra los, los indios me gustaría mirar las estadísticas a ver cuán bien pichó contra los indios, pero eh, no me sorprendería que fuera, que fuera muy bueno. Y hasta en los playoffs, eh, lo, recuerdo, lo recuerdo bien. Sí, tremendo jugador, Michael, sin duda alguna. Tremendo lanzador. Empecemos con el tema del día de hoy. Rubén, en el episodio pasado nos diste un poco de introducción de lo que es el tema de inteligencia artificial. ¿Podrías elaborar un poco más sobre este tema, por favor? Sí, definitivamente es un tema que lo estoy entendiendo más y más cada día, me llama mucho la atención. Quiero, hoy mismo lo estábamos hablando acá en la oficina, quiero eh, enfatizar el concepto de que la inteligencia artificial no es computadoras que reemplazan a los humanos. Puede que eso pase, pero ese no es el objetivo. El objetivo, por lo menos de la manera que yo lo interpreto, es el ayudarnos a reconocer patrones más rápidamente de lo que nuestra mente lo podría hacer. Ahorita usé un ejemplo en el béisbol, pero eh, ahora quiero usar eh, un, un ejemplo diferente. Todos los, básicamente todos los carros o nosotros con nuestros teléfonos habilitamos a nuestros vehículos a tener un GPS, ¿okay? un GPS. Así que cuando uno se monta en un carro con su teléfono, uno está mandando la señal, mandando y o recibiendo una señal de, de GPS la cual está yendo a una computadora. Y esas computadoras están pudiendo anónimamente, porque en realidad uno a veces se preocupa de la privacidad y que tal vez lo estén traqueando a uno, pero no te están traqueando. ¿okay? A menos que seas un criminal y hayan conseguido una, una este, ¿cómo se dice? Un, una, un permiso de la corte de poderte traquear, pero eh, en general no te están traqueando de, eh, de forma específica, pero sí de forma eh, privada. Están pudiendo ver todos los todos los movimientos que están pasando, sea en una ciudad o sea en un espacio, ¿verdad? Este, o en un país. Eh, cuando llegó la pandemia, inmediatamente pudieron hacer estudios de, los, de cómo cambiaron los patrones de movimiento de todos nosotros los humanos. Muchos estábamos en, en cuarentena, ¿okay? Estábamos muchos en cuarentena y pues no nos movíamos. Se veía que los teléfonos se quedaban en, en, en un espacio cercano a la casa donde nosotros estábamos. Eh, igualmente se empezó a ver que el movimiento era solamente de la casa tal vez a un supermercado o a otro, eh, a otro lugar eh, 
cercano y, de poca, y, de, y con poca variabilidad. Eso es increíble para mí, ¿okay? que nosotros podamos ver eso. Pero no era que tú podías ver una sola persona, es que estabas viendo el patrón de todas las masas. ¿okay? Y dentro de todas las masas puedes ver, puedes hacer diferentes cosas. Tal vez podías traquear que esto sí no lo sé si lo estaban haciendo o no. Así que aquí estoy especulando, pero eh, de seguro que podían ver si... Si, los, si las personas de 25 a 34 años se movían en un patrón diferente a las personas que se movían de 35 años a, a 44. Eso no hay un humano en este planeta que tenga la habilidad de poder visualizar eso. Esos son, son unos patrones y es tanta información que no hay manera de uno poderlo lograr. Ahora tú se lo pones a una computadora y para la computadora eso es segunda naturaleza. Lo puedes hacer en microsegundos. Puede tomar toda esa data y decirte, estos son los patrones que están pasando dentro de esta, dentro de esta eh, data. Eso es inteligencia artificial. ¿okay? Es permitir a una computadora y habilitarla de una manera que pueda descubrir patrones en un montón de data que tú no podrías, un humano, quiero decir, no podría descubrirla ni aunque le dieras un millón de años. Y la computadora puede hacerlo muchas veces en microsegundos o en un par de minutos si es, si es una cantidad extrema de, de información. Tenemos que aceptar que como en, mientras se mantengan en esas áreas, ¿verdad? Que no es una herramienta que nos va a reemplazar, pues debemos de, debemos de honestamente aprovecharla porque te puede dar muchos conocimientos hacia, las, hacia nuestros comportamientos que serían eh, favorables para nosotros. La pregunta del millón es, Rubén, ¿verdad? Nuestros clientes siempre preguntan, ¿yo tengo que crear todas esta, esta, estas formas de, de ver la data? O, ¿O cómo funciona? ¿Yo tengo que poner básicamente el dedo y modificarlo? ¿O cómo funciona? No, y definitivamente tú no quieres en ningún momento ni modificar ni impactar la data. Tú debes de dejar que la data se produzca por sí sola. El sistema, porque si no, el sistema va a ser impactado. Si tú la tratas de manipular o tratas de, eh, por decir mentirle, ¿verdad? Usando simbólicamente hablando, pero cualquier cambio que tú le hagas a la data, eh, la computadora es demasiado literal y no va a saber la diferencia de una, de una data manufacturada eh, a, la, a la data eh, real. Eh, si tú, por ejemplo, le dices a la computadora y y en la medicina, pues esto en el campo que nosotros estamos es bien importante. Si tú eh, le empiezas a decir a la data, que, a, a la computadora, que las edades de la, de la data que estás recibiendo, la edad de la persona que está en la data que estás recibiendo es diferente a la real, la computadora no sabría la diferencia, ¿ok? Y te va a empezar a, a, a producir resultados para esa información que tú le diste. Ah, que este paciente con una condición, con un quiste en, en la mama de 39 años y, y en realidad era un paciente de 35 años, pues la, la computadora no lo va a ver diferente, ¿okay? va a decir ah, pues es de 35 años, así que es, es, esos pacientes de 35 años tienen mayor probabilidad de tener eh, esa condición y no, no, no va a saber saber o sea, no va a saber saber la diferencia valga la redundancia ¿okay? así que la data hay que dejarla lo más pura posible, eso a veces es eh, el reto de, de, cierta, de ciertas instituciones, okay? no estoy hablando necesariamente de instituciones de salud, pero hay otras áreas donde, donde, la, donde manipulan data. Okay? Entonces, cuando la manipulan, pues las computadoras no pueden, eh, no pueden saberlo. On the, on the flip side, okay? en el lado opuesto. Si la computadora está eh, recibiendo todo el tiempo data que no es, mani 
que no tiene manipulación y nota un cambio que pueda indicar manipulación, tú la puedes educar a que lo descubra. ¿Okay? Y, esto, y eso sí está pasando. ¿okay? Eso está pasando todos los días en todas las áreas donde de momento hay un cambio que se llaman anomalías, así como se reconocen. Hay una anomalía ¿okay? demasiado drástica el sistema va a alertarlo. Esto lo, lo vas a ver en institutos bancarios, etcétera, donde están pendientes de que si todos los días hacemos un millón de dólares en, una, en transacciones y hoy nada más hicimos 350 mil, alerta a ciertas personas para que investiguen por qué está pasando eso. En los, en los casinos, ¿okay? donde, donde eh, en la mesa de Blackjack se, se mueven todos los días un millón de dólares y nunca... Eh, nunca eh, fluctúa el, las ganancias y las pérdidas y de momento un día las ganancias y las pérdidas fluctúan por medio millón de dólares la computadora rápido va a gritar y va a, a decir aquí hay algo extraño que está, que está ocurriendo, ¿Okay? o sea que hay lugares donde la, la inteligencia artificial está diseñada para reconocer la manipulación de la data, que es un poquito diferente a lo que estabas preguntando, pero también es cercano a lo que estabas preguntando Mariel, espero que, eh, que haya podido eh, darte un poquito más de insights en el área de Interpersonal Intelligence. En los Estados Unidos, creo que el nombre en los Estados Unidos, no solamente en los Estados Unidos, en muchos lados, la inteligencia artificial, pero especialmente en el campo de la salud, eh, la estamos viendo avanzar a las millas eh, y nosotros aquí en, en DIS estamos estableciendo hasta una, una, una división para el área de, de Artificial Intelligence, no solamente en el área de DIS Analytics, sino como como los diferentes productos que puedan estar, que algunos son para mamografía, otros son para próstata, otros son para eh, cerebro, otros son para tratamientos de oncología. Así que eh, es un campo que de verdad creo que tiene mucho futuro y, y hasta en cierto sentido ha pasado por debajo del radar, pero prontamente va a ser muy acelerado todas las cosas que vamos a ver dentro de este campo. Gracias chicos, fue muy interesante escuchar sobre la inteligencia artificial y cómo cada día avanza y se posiciona en el mercado. Eso fue todo por hoy. Gracias por acompañarnos. Nos vemos en un próximo episodio. Bye. Nos vemos pronto. Goodbye.